Leaders ask way more questions. Spiritual abusers make way more statements. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we are currently not sponsored by anyone at all yet, Cole. I We did get somebody to It's add. really disappointing. You know what, though? I, I'm, I got a confession. I do have a MyPillow. And my do you? Yes. I, I Is do. it worth it? 100%. It's the most comfortable pillow. In, and Mike Lindell's not giving me any money for that. I'm just saying. Maybe he will. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have any. So anyway, super excited about this episode. We're going to dive in about um, spiritual leadership versus spiritual abuse. So Cole, mm. my question to open up with, it's kind of funny. This is actually my podcast, and I'm asking you questions. But it's, <laughs> did you listen to any of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast? You want to know what? I I didn't because I felt like I got I could take the temperature of the podcast based on what you had told us about it. Right. So I don't know, man. I kind of stayed away. It made me want to punch kittens. I, I, and, I remember. Well, and... And for those listening that love cats, that was that was a joke. I don't literally want to, to punch kitten. Well, I've, I have. You kicked, don't not want to punch. I, mean, I have kicked a couple cats before. I'm not gonna lie. But anyway, I I remember. Um, I, I try to listen to the most popular podcast in just about every category, and this one was the most. It's the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and it was the story Mark Driscoll put out by Christianity Today, and I happened to. I used to know Mark Driscoll really well. I would still consider him a friend. I haven't spoken to him in three or four years, but um, he's doing great work at the church he's at in Arizona. And so I listened to the first episode, and um, my name was mentioned. So I'm running on my treadmill, and I'm like, oh, my God, Perry Noble. Wait, I know that guy. Holy crap, that's me. And <laughs> and so then I got, I got into the – I got into it. Like I started listening to every episode, and it – and it made me it made me angry. And 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 let me let me just kind of put a couple disclaimers out there. Number one, spiritual abuse is very real. It happens in churches all over the world. And I am I am not discounting that at all. Number two, I was not in the in I was not at Mars Hill. So I know Mark's story, and I know what we heard on the podcast. And this particular podcast, I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying this that that podcast was why I wanted to talk about this at the end of the day. And um, and I, I you know, I'm not going to try to justify anything he did, but some of the stuff I heard on that podcast, it was. I mean, there was a couple episodes where um, I just wanted to play "Cry Me a River." by Justin Timberlake over and over and over again, because at the end of the day, it's, it's been about five, six, seven years. It's, it's time to move on. And I know, I know there are people out there. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's so sensitive and you don't understand. It was tough. Okay. Listen, I was molested twice. My mother died. My father abused me. I've had some crap happen in my life and you can either be a victim 
and live there for the rest of your life, mm. or you can walk in victory and move on. Mm. So if you want to stay stuck in the past rather than focus on the future, that's on you. But don't blame somebody else for your negative mindset and all your negative comments that you leave on, on social media. You know what? And that's I, our podcast right there. Let's pray and get I, out of here. I feel like I just preached. <laughs> anyway, um, th- th- I came up, though. I, I literally wrote this down because I, 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 I did want to talk about spiritual abuse. Um, I've actually got a spiritual abuse story where I was spiritually abused. You're going to love it. I've never told you the story. Yeah. Um, but we're going to dive in because I came up with five distinctions between spiritual abuse and spiritual leadership. Number one being leadership is necessary and spiritual abuse is not. 100%. So I did not know that leadership was a spiritual gift. Um, I became a Christian in 1990, and uh, I, I knew that I always, I, I had, you know, I had vision or I wanted to lead something, I wanted to preach, but I didn't know leadership was a spiritual gift until I went to an event um, that featured John Maxwell and Bill Hybels. It was in 1996, <laughs> um, and the, I was attending seminary, and we had a preaching class, and our preaching professor said, you're going to learn more about preaching and leadership in this seminar than you are um, in this class. Well, I had never heard of John Maxwell, and I'd never heard of Bill Hybels. And the internet was this relatively new thing that you had to log on with a phone line. Yep. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't know who these guys are. But then all my friends that were pastors and Baptist, they hated Bill Hybels um, because Bill Hybels had a church that was growing and they didn't. And let me pause. <laughs> I don't need any emails about, oh, I can't believe you're talking about Bill Hybels and what he did. Listen, I don't know what happened with Bill Hybels. I don't know what's true and what's not true. But I know that God used that man to inspire millions of people all over the world. And so what he did that was wrong does not discount everything that God used him to do. So I am not going to bash that man because— Anyway, so so I, so all my friends that were Baptists didn't like him. So I was like, he's got to be good. Um, <laughs> so I go to this thing. I go to this thing, and I found out that leadership was a spiritual gift. And and ultimately, I saw important how le- leadership is, and that somebody's got to make the call. Like you got to have a point leader. You got to have a coach on a team. And let me pause real quick and just say this concept about team leadership. Oh, we're a team. We lead as a team. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever... Okay, so let's say you got four people on the team and you're leading as a team. That would be like, Cole, going out and getting in, into a car that had four steering wheels, four brake pedals, four gas pedals. How far down the road do you think that car gets? Well, that's how far the, down the road that organization gets. That you got to have a point leader that at the end of the, at the, end of the game, you... you You've been doing athlete, athlete. You you played college football. You played, and somebody wants the ball. Yes. Yeah, so at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision. Some and and whether it's a good decision or a a bad decision. Now, leadership is is necess- That's why it makes leadership necessary. Somebody's got to make the call. But spiritual abuse is when the leader isolates themselves. They they say this is God's plan. And then you are in no way allowed to ask any sorts 
of clarification uh, questions. Now, let me just say this: as a leader, there are questions that I will answer, and there's questions I will not answer. Um, I don't even have this on my notes, but this just popped in my mind. Questions of clarification. If you're a leader, you're always okay with that. Like if I say, "Hey, we're going to do this on this day," and you go, "Okay, here's my question: What time does staff need to be there?" Mm-hmm. That's a question of clarification. But questions of condemnation, I I, I let those go. Um, most of those, by the way, come on social media, which we've got an upcoming episode about that that you can't you, wait. It's gonna be fun. But so questions for clarification to a leader should always be welcome. Questions of condemnation should always be avoided. What um, can you give like when somebody questions your motive for something like behind why you made that decision? Is that what you mean by questions of condemnation? Um, it can be a question of motive. It could be, um, for, for example, anytime I share, share statistics on like recently I put up a post, pray for your pastor or whatever. Yeah. There's always going to be one person that goes, Hey, I would love to know where you got these statistics. Well, in most cases they don't really want to know. They just want to start an argument. Yeah. Okay. And so I usually just kind of dismiss you know, them, let those go. But, but spiritual, spiritual abusers, if you question them, um, they'll get angry and, and it's crazy because leadership, our spiritual abuse works in the short term, mm. but it doesn't work, um, for the long term because it's like a drug. Well, when you're leading, when you're like people actually crave leadership, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to be driven. Mm. So when you're a spiritual abuser drives people. But a leader will lead them, you know, and they can go at their own pace. And so that was the first thing that I came up with. That's awesome. So number two, leadership seeks to influence. Spiritual abuse seeks to control. This is a good one. This is, yeah. I heard from John Maxwell that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And he's also said that people buy into a person before they buy into a position. And that's so true. I remember mm-hmm. asking a pastor one time, um, how, how he had, he had three, he had three kids in college. All three kids loved Jesus and loved the church. And I'm like, okay, how'd you do that? Because <laughs> I mean, most parents, if you get one out of three, you're, you're, I mean, you hit the jackpot, right? Yeah. And he told me two things, but one of the things he told me, he said, I had to learn as a parent as a dad when my role as a parent switched from control to influence Mm. and a lot of parents never snap out of that and so this is not a parenting podcast dear god that if we did one of those i would i would entitle it how to ensure that your child goes to therapy like that's that would be my parenting podcast but um so going back to what we originally said about leadership seeks to influence spiritual abuse seeks to control my personal leadership philosophy philosophy is listen to Jesus and do what he says. And, uh, I'm all about like, listen, this is really what I believe the Lord wants us to do. I mean, you've been in staff meetings, Cole, where I've said that a time or two, but at the end of the day, when I, when I begin to feel really strong about something, I begin to bounce it off my, my inner circle. Mm -hmm. And then if, if we're all in agreement, then we'll take it like, the next level out, like to our key leaders and our volunteers. And what that does for me 
is it usually takes a good idea and makes it better. Yeah. Or it takes a bad idea and stops it. <laughs> and yeah. that's, you know, that's always and a win. Bo- both of those have happened in our circle. 100%. And I want, I want people's input on the decision, especially um, educated input. You know, when somebody goes, well, I just don't feel that that's a good decision. Okay, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad you don't feel like it's a good decision, but yeah. we can't base decisions. We, we can't make decisions based on feelings yeah. alone, you know. Um, but on the flip side, the spiritual abusers, they want to control people because they think they know what's best for everyone. So what a spiritual abuser does is they'll say, this is what we're going to do. Don't question it. And uh, and then at the end, they'll go, does anybody have any questions? Well, nobody's going to ask any questions because you're scared you're to death scared. you're going to get called out. So they create this culture of dishonesty and fear, and eventually they run off all their really what do you, great leaders. What do you think that is? Is that a pride issue? It's an insecurity it, issue. Gotcha. Most of the time, when when somebody begins to spiritually abuse other people, it come it it's deeply rooted in insecurity. Mm. And as a leader, you gotta watch it because insecurity can raise its head and it will mask itself as godly concern. And so you've got to be honest with yourself and say, mm. this is a personal insecurity and I gotta still seek to lead through this rather than just abuse my way through it. What do you I and maybe I don't want to jump the gun here. What do you suggest if somebody out there is tempted to spiritually abuse their staff or people that they're leading? What do you suggest they do? Like, how do you how do you work on that? You you got to get you well. First of all, I mean, you should probably get some sort of leadership coach, leadership training. And number two, you should probably tell your staff, "Listen, this is how I feel like I've been leading. I apologize. And yeah. Can you guys help me get better? I want some honest feedback. Humility. Yeah. Hum- humility mm. is the key. To, a, to breakthroughs. Mm. And spiritual abusers won't ask questions. Leaders will always ask questions. So good, man. That's the, I, I don't even have that in my nose, but that's true. Mm. Spiritual abusers, they will not ask, how do you feel about that? But leaders are leaders ask way more questions. Spiritual abusers make way more statements. It's so good, man. Was I love that, it. Was that good? It was. I'm over asked, here like you, ready you, to get saved you like how I stuff. just asked that question? Because I don't want you to think I'm a spiritual abuser. Yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for leading me well. I appreciate that, Clark. Well, (laughs) let's jump to number three. Leadership is difficult. Spiritual abuse is easy. It is. So so when I'm tired, like if I get tired, like on Sunday nights when I leave, I've preached three times. And, you know, 30 years ago, I could preach three times and and go run 10 miles. Today, I (laughs) preached three times and I can't speak for three days. Um, So... But when we're tired, we often choose to do what is easy rather than what is right. Mm. And that can turn into um, abusive behavior. I mean, leadership is le- leadership's difficult. It's hard work because uh, you've got to cast the vision over and over and over again. And one of the things that a leader understands, and it took me years to get here, is I can go preach a vision sermon this Sunday. Four weeks from now, I could preach basically the same sermon, just switch things around, and people would be like, that's the most amazing thing. I've never heard that. Yeah. And I'm like, I just said it four <laughs> weeks ago. So you got to continue to cast vision. You got to, de- leaders have to, oh, 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 this just popped in my mind. Leaders, 
will declare this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. Spiritual abusers will say, this is what we're doing. Shut up and get on board. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. very different. Leaders will always explain the why. Spiritual abusers, their why is because I said so. And you know, as a as a parent, you're about to be a parent. Yeah. Um, as a parent, when you you can pull the because I said so card a couple times, but you pull that on your kids too many times and eventually you are white noise to your children. And it's the same thing leading your church or your staff. Yeah, you got me a little messed up. I'm still thinking about that parenting comment you made about knowing the difference between leading your kid and commanding them. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, at first you're going to, like, when Bash is born, that's what we're going to call him, right? Bash. Bash. When Bash is born. He's due in when? March the 9th. He's going to be here March the 9th. Okay, for the first year or two, you're going to have to control that kid. Yeah. Because the first year or two of a baby's life, they try their best to take their own life. If, if, if there's something dangerous in your house, they're going to find it. Yeah. They're going to find the knife and stick it in the electric socket. They, <laughs> I did it's that, just, actually, as you a did? kid. Yeah. Yes. With okay. a paint can opener. Yeah. People, do, kids do that. Your first two years, you have to control them just to keep them alive. Yeah. But then when they're, when they're, if they're 22 and you're still washing their clothes and laying out their outfits for them, <laughs> I mean, problem. Move out, we please. Have a, we have a major... Oh, and by the way, let me just side note here. When I say leadership is difficult, spiritual abuse is easy. If a leader has ever told you no, that is not spiritual abuse. For example, I have a really good friend who recently was accused of spiritual abuse by two former staff members. Let me say very clearly... This was not Stephen Furtick. I'm not referring because people are like, oh, he's a really good friend. I, I have more friends that are pastors other than Pastor Stephen Furtick, okay? So this was a guy that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have known, but he was accused of spiritual abuse. And I'm like, I don't think this guy really knows how to raise his voice. Like, he's one of the kindest people in the world. Now, I know that people like that behind closed doors can be just raving lunatics, but basically there was an investigation by his church into these allegations from the staff and it turns out that these staff members were told no. One, they wanted to make a major purchase, and the church couldn't afford it. And the other one wanted to start a program that was not in line with the church's vision. And yeah. they were told no, and so they're they're crying and trying to get on talk shows about how they were abused by their pastor, and they weren't abused. They yeah. were led, and they couldn't handle it. Yeah. I think for me, just real quick, one of the things that comes to my mind when talking about this topic is— I think one of the markers that shows where you're at in this um, leadership versus spiritual abuse thing is how willing leaders are to give up control. And I think one of the most difficult things is a lot of times people have a hard time delegating. Like it's, it's the whole, I think I can do it best. I'll do it. And then that it's in that way that they sort of control and manipulate their people is they're not actually willing to trust the people that are following them. And I think that's really hard. It's huge. One of the best questions a leader can ask when somebody brings them a problem is, I hear you. What do you think we should do about it? Yeah. Because if if they if they're a leader, they've got three solutions in mind. And so, hey, what do you think we should do about that? Mm. Um, a spiritual abuser will be like, thank you for approaching the almighty Oz. I will give you your answer. You may go now. Kiss my ring. Yes. Kiss my ring. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that kiss, Ma, but you said ring, and that was good. That was good. This is the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, and so you we never know what's going on. We happen. never know.
Well, let's move on to number four mm -hmm. here. Leadership lets people weigh in. Spiritual abuse expects automatic buy-in. Mm -hmm. I guess I kind of introduced us in to this point here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so someone told me a few years ago, if people are going to buy in, they need to feel like they were able to, to weigh in on the decision. Now, I want to pause. I know you can't do that with every single leadership decision. Some decisions have to be made in the moment, on the spot, and you don't have time to take a poll to figure out where the pulse of everybody is. That's the not building's on fire. Right. Building's on fire. Call Exit. the fire department and evacuate. <laughs> that That's a don't pretty— Don't call a meeting. Don't call a meeting to evaluate whether or not you need to evacuate. Yeah. But when making a decision, a leader will figure out who does this decision impact the most, and then they will seek— the at least the opinion of those people. For example, let's say that I was going to make a children's ministry decision. Now, Cole, I don't know. Did you have you ever done children's ministry? No, I did. And I don't plan on it. I did children's ministry, Cole, for six months one time. And when you start having dreams about punting children, <laughs> it's time to get out of children's ministry. I love children's ministry. I believe in children's ministry. God just didn't call me to do it. Amen. And and so, but if so, if I had to make a children's ministry decision, let's say I was going to choose children's curriculum for our church. Let's let's say that it would be foolish of me not to talk to um, our our children's pastor, who I think you got a crush on. Are you crushing on her? She's cute. Yeah, I'm hoping she notices me soon. Yeah, yeah. They're married, by the way. That's an inside joke. Yep. Um. Uh. So I would be foolish not to ask her, hey, Addie, we're if, but if I just walked in and said, Addie, this is the curriculum we're going to do, make it happen, that's spiritual abuse, yeah. right? Yeah. Or let's say I was going to make an IT decision. First of all, it's already going bad if I'm making IT decisions. It's it's We're worried about you at that point. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. But it would be foolish of me to, to say, hey, this is the new software program we're going to use if I didn't talk to Ed about yeah. that decision, you know? So, and that takes tr I th that takes trust in your people. Well, a spiritual abuser wants to be perceived as an expert in everything, and so for them to ask for help is a sign of weakness. But mm. to a leader, asking for help and input is actually a sign of strength because it's yeah. going to make the decision better. One hundred percent. That's good, man. Thanks. Thank you. I wrote that down. You ready to move on? Yeah, let's do the last one. Let's go to number five. Leadership lasts, spiritual abuse does not. Um, yeah, here's the one thing that nobody is really talking about, including our friends at Christianity Today, which I, I know they love me. Maybe they want um, to sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> no, I, okay. wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to that. We probably already get them enough. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, I'm not. Okay, I'm, I'm filtering things out right now, and I'm trying to move on. Here we go. The one thing that nobody is talking about is the spiritual abuse that's happening in smaller churches. See, in large churches, mm. it it gets a like. For example, the the Mars Hill thing got a lot of attention because Mark had a huge platform. And by the way, let me just do a side note here. I listened to that entire thing, and I listened to people who I, I know, I know these people, and they loved Mark, and they kissed his rear end, and they thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread until he quote-unquote fell, 
And then it's the typical Christians shoot their wounded. Like, for example, this is a side note, but I was listening to one guy and he was like, yeah, we were in Turkey with Mark and his family. Pause. How amazing is that? It's cool. You got to go on a trip to Turkey. You got to see churches like in Ephesus. Like you got to go to Ephesus for free. That's freaking amazing. And he goes, yeah, we roll up in this five-star resort and Mark and his family get out. Pause. Um, Mark Driscoll and his family stand in a five-star in Turkey. I don't have a problem with that. You know why? He's busted his butt. He's working hard. He's got his family with him. They're staying at a five-star place. That's great. Because I'm sure um, he's got lots of places that he stayed in with no stars, you know? Yeah. And so, and then he goes, and and Mark and his family got out of the car and they put us in this just average hotel. And I thought, what an entitled, arrogant thing to say. You got to go to Turkey for free. You got to work, and you're mad that you didn't get to stay in a five-star? My God. I'm glad you never worked on this staff. You wouldn't have made it. Um, So (laughs) leadership... Leadership last, spiritual abuse, that had nothing to do with that point. I just I just wanted to put you it just, in there because it's my podcast. You started preaching. I did. Um, oh, no, it did have a point. Spiritual abuse in smaller churches. So, Cole, I had been a youth pastor for about a year. And the the, the youth group that I worked with, they, they did vacation Bible school. Mm-hmm. Okay, now in the South, vacation Bible school for children, it's it's— it's humongous. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. But they did it for the youth department as well. So they expected me to do vacation Bible school for, for the students. And I was like, <laughs> why don't we get the students to volunteer to help with the kids? That, that way we can get them. No, 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 no. This is the way we've always done it. And the church I was at, they've, they were, they were, they've been here since the 1400s. Like when Christopher Columbus discovered America, they greeted him. So they've mm-hmm. been there for a while. Yep. And so we weren't going to change it. So the pastor told me, he said, do anything you can to get students here. And I said, do you mean that? He said, I do. I said, okay. So I thought food fight, food fight, (laughs) food fight. (laughs) Listen, I don't, I don't need, oh my gosh, it's not spiritual. Um, Yes, it is. I think the feeding of the 5,000 was a food fight. So I, uh, listen, give me a second. I'll justify anything. So we did this food fight. Now, I didn't plan on the food fight expand like it got out of hand and it made it to the church graveyard. And so there's mustard and ketchup and chocolate milk and tuna flying all over the graveyard. Now we had a record number of students there that night. Record number I've been of in students. so many of these situations, Dude, man. We're in the graveyard. It was awesome. I was behind Miss Miss Thompson. She's been dead <laughs> since 1787. And so I'm thinking this is the best idea in the world. So I I get back to my office or I get back to the church. I I clean up. I go in my office and my telephone rings. Now this is the early 90s, no caller ID or whatever. I answer the phone and I'm like, hello, and it's the pastor. And uh, his name's Dr. Moore. And uh, he, he says, is this Perry? And I'm thinking, he is about to congratulate me on the best job we ever. We had record numbers. Dude, he, I'll just say he Christian cussed me out. He didn't say any cuss words, but he's yelling at me, telling me how ungodly. Like, it was Cole. I have never been spoken to like that. I stopped him. <laughs> After about two minutes, I said, I called him. I said, Dr. Moore, Dr. Moore, Dr. Moore. I said, this conversation is over until you can calm down. And he How said, How old were you? I was 19. 
And he said, don't yell at me, young man. I went, Dr. Moore, you're the only one yelling. After that, every time we got together in a staff meeting, he came after, like he came after me about something. And I was only there for about another year because I just couldn't take yeah. being spiritually he was a bulldozer, man. He ran over people. He absolutely made fun of my he made fun of my haircut. Now I did have a bowl cut, but I at bet the time, you rocked that bowl cut. I did. It was in style. It was awesome. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because spiritual abuse happens in smaller churches way more than it happens in larger churches. For example, you take somebody who's who's been doing who's been in the game for a while and they're doing it great, like Andy Stanley. Craig Rochelle, Chris Hodges, all three godly men, mm -hmm. large churches, all three incredible leaders doing an unbelievable job. It would actually be hard for one of those three guys to start spiritually abusing their church because their church is large. Mm -hmm. And if you want to break it down, you can control as a leader in any setting about 70 to 75 people. Just real quick, anybody want to guess what the average church size in America is? 70, 70 to, to 75? 75 people. So when you hear about these big, huge, mega church pastors spiritually abusing people, I would be willing to bet my last Bible um, that that's not the case. They're actually leading. Most spiritual abuse happens in smaller churches with pastors that are insecure, that haven't forgiven their dad, that have insecurity issues, and they just want to barrel over people. And it just never gets highlighted. It's, no, nobody. Who's going to talk about it? Because let, let's be honest. Let, I'll go back to our boys at Christianity Today. The reason they kept doing that podcast is they made money. Hmm. It was not, It was, I'll go ahead and say this, and hey, boys, if you're listening, give me a call. I'll be glad to come on and discuss this with you. You didn't do it to try to expose anybody. You did it to make money. You did advertisements in every one of your podcasts. When you saw it was hitting the charts, you began to push it more and more. You did it to make money. It wasn't to serve the body because if anything, it tore the body apart. It didn't bring the body together. Give me a call. Let me know. What's our email address? Podcast, podcast at secondchance.is. Yeah, yeah. Shoot me an email. I'll be glad to come on and discuss that with you. And uh, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. But I'm sure they're not listening. That got intense. I, I got intense. I liked it. I'm, I'm just a little fired up because I know. they said they were trying to serve the body. What can we learn from this? And then they never said what they could learn from this. It was pathetic. There, yeah, yeah. And I'll close out with this. Because we could ramble on. Yeah. S spiritual ab abuse goes unreported. Most of it goes unreported. Um, a lot of, and, and it's, it is sad. I have been the victim of spiritual abuse. You know, Cole, in my early days in leadership, I think I was pretty spiritually abusive simply because I didn't know how to lead. But as I began to study, read, grow, and learn as a leader, um, I think I was able to make the shift from a leader and and away from being a spiritual abuser. And honestly, man, so many so many people deal with insecurities. Hundred percent. And the way insecurities cause you to to do some things that I don't think we mean to do. Mm -hmm. And 
So I imagine you dealt with some of that as well. hundred uh, percent. I, I still get nervous every time before I preach. I'm, I'm really? Walking, oh God, I'm walking on stage about to pee my pants. Yeah. I'm oh so wow, I didn't know that. I'm hundred percent nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the sermon that I, I crash on. So uh, different podcast for different time. I would just say to, to wrap this up, um, learning how to lead is so essential and the more you learn about leadership, the less you'll be inclined to spiritually abuse. How do you learn about leadership? Well, you listen to this podcast. Uh, but Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle has a great podcast. Read everything that John Maxwell has written. It's all great. I mean, he, yeah, he sneezes a book out every five minutes. But it's <laughs> un, like all of his books are unbelievable. So yep. the more we learn as a leader, the less we're inclined to be spiritually abusive. I love it. That's it. Thank you so much for... Listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we hope you become a better leader and we hope we eventually get a sponsor. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com.